Welcome to Stories with Strengths, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from our favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And you know what, Tyler? Today, today I'd like to start off by saying thank you. Tyler, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> You're for- so welcome. For traveling down the road every so often and coming and back, back again. again. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, Tyler, your heart, your heart is so true. Oh, that's so nice of you. Am I a pal and a confidant? You are a pal and a confidant. <laughs> you know, Tyler, if if I were to throw a party yes. and invited everyone you knew, uh-huh. you uh-huh. would be the biggest gift. Oh. And if, and the card attached, what would it say? It would say, thank you for being a friend. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. That's so good. That's so good. Okay, so if that didn't give it away, I don't know what else <laughs> I could do to tell you that we are headed down to Miami, Florida to Ooh. hang out with the best group of girls in their golden years. It's it's the mid to late 80s. We're having a great time. We're wearing sh- like shorts and like pink polo shirts. Hell yeah. Our hair is really curly. We're vibing. Yes, always. As a, a special Thanksgiving episode, we are giving thanks to the, the best show I think ever written in all time. <laughs> <laughs> Something that speaks to the heart of everyone in some way, shape or form. The Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Tyler... As a get to know you question, mm. as the Golden Girls is all about like friendship and finding friendships and like having that chosen family. Yeah. Without, you know, making everyone in your life hate you. What's one of your favorite like friend moments? Pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Pick your favorite friend moment. Go. <laughs> well, I feel full of your favorite friend moments. I don't Jeez, know. I feel. I feel very uh, pressured at the moment to pick something with you just because you're here. Um, yeah. You have other friends other than me. I will not be offended because you know what? I'm not good of a friend. It's true. Hey, that's nice. Thank you for being a friend. I would say that um, with, with my people from down South, which you are included in, uh, my people from Southern California, um, most recently, not most recently, but recently you know took a small group of my favorite people up to big bear for my birthday and we got to spend some time in a cabin and that happened earlier this year um and that was just a really fun weekend trip and mm-hmm. i really enjoyed spending time with the three of you that got to come along for that and yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pick that one as one and then the other i would say is in my friend group from back home we do uh, what's called Feels Friday, and we every Friday we we text each other with a good thing that happened during the week. Uh, and some Fridays we're better at it than others, but for the most part, we do that you know as often as possible. And especially when things start getting more uh, challenging in our lives, we'll often reach out to each other and ask for positivity in that way. Uh, and I like that with that group. I think that that's also a really lovely, nice thing. So those are a couple nice just friendship experiences that i've had um both recently and you know a long time ago so trick follow-up question who's your favorite friend go rory 
Good answer. <laughs> That's my dog. <laughs> yes. No, that one was just me being mean. Um, it's hard to be mad at that answer. It's like, right? if I answer my dog, you can't be upset at her. <laughs> That's like people who bring their, um, like their grandmother as their plus one to like Hollywood yeah. events. They're like, you can't make comments. It's my grandma. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, awesome. Well, thank you. And I would say, because um, I've had, I've been very blessed to have a lot of chosen family in my life. Um, and I think lately, some of my favorite friend moments have been watching their kids grow up mm. um, and having moments like watching my friends from elementary schools now, like fully established little people <laughs> have conversations with them. Like I had a um, one friend, little kid want to make me dessert, like the, him and his mom like baked me something for dessert and he knows mm-hmm. I'm allergic to chocolate so he went on like a five minute dialogue spiel going now I went through the recipe book and there's no no chocolate in this and no no chocolate because <laughs> may- but like getting to watch my friends kids grow up and getting to be in their lives is such a pleasure and um I would say a meaningful friendship moment that I hated so much and it was just the worst uh, for my birthday not too long ago my horrible friends surprised me with nice comments and letters that my mommy arranged of how how they meaningful and I hated it because I hate sentimental things that make me have feelings I'm kidding it was beautiful <laughs> and it was lovely uh that was a nice friend moment for me there you go awesome yeah, it's nice to have friends, I think yeah. is the thing to say there. Right. And and, and especially yeah. during the holiday season, and this is just a little, you know, kind compassion moment for people out there listening to the world where friends are chosen families and they are just as valuable and uh, if not sometimes more valuable in our life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may not have the best circumstances of family or friends, but you know, finding the people in your life to retire to a Miami ranch mm-hmm. home to in Florida and yeah. spend your golden years with them. And with that, Absolutely. Tyler, Absolutely. I do believe you have a new client. I do. I am talking to Dorothy Zbornak, and I'm I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly. Probably not who is in her mid to late 50s, who is white Italian-American, cisgender female, and heterosexual. And we're talking to her towards the the beginning of the run here of the Golden Girls. Um, And first of all, I want to just state from a 2022 perspective, the thing that I think is funny is that in the 80s, 55 was considered in her golden years and oh she's so old and all this stuff when in reality now 55 does not seem that old uh to me i don't know the accuracy of this but like they were making comparisons of the age of the women in golden girls and the age of the women in like sex in the city like the later years and how like sex in the city movie part two the women are like roughly the same age as the golden girls women and the difference in how we represent them is amazing (laughs) Culturally, I think we've, we've talked differently about aging now than we did then and all that kind of fun stuff. But anyway, I wanted to start with that. But uh, Dorothy, back to Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy would be coming in uh, specifically because she is recovering after having a divorce. Uh, she was married to Stan, her former partner, 
for a very long time, had children together, had this life together, and then he left her. And she, you know, is now living with her mom and two other women in this house in Miami because her life has not gone the way that she originally planned it to go. And so we're going to talk about that, right? Like that's going to be the thing we start with is just what's it like having a divorce this late in the game, you know? What is it like for you to have this partner who has, in her words, shattered your life and to recover from that and pick yourself back up? And so we're going to talk through all, you know, your typical divorce stuff. I think this is something that doesn't necessarily rely particularly on age, but talking through resentment for the former partner, how co-parenting is going to work in the future. Luckily, her kids are adults, so there's no co-parenting in that way. But like when they go and do holidays and things, is Stan going to be there? Uh, or is she going to invite them, her kids over to the house that she's living in now with her mom? Like, what is this going to look like? You know, what does this dynamic change look like for her? What does it look like now being single again for the first time in, you know, 20, 30 years? What is that like for you? And do you want to pursue other romantic interests at the moment? Um, we know that eventually she does, but uh, starting out, she really is not, you know, necessarily super focused on that, uh, more so instead focused on just picking herself back up. And so looking at it from this piece of like, what does picking up your life look like now, especially when you're quote unquote later in life, right? What does that mean as far as what it means to pick up the pieces? Because I think for her, there is this piece of, oh, well, I can't start over now. I'm too old now to start over with all this stuff. Why am I the one that has to struggle with all this stuff? Why did he do this? You know, she asks many questions like that, especially in those earlier seasons when she's you know, really going through this stuff of like, yes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be bad. It's just going to be work, right? To pick up the pieces and build yourself something new. And obviously... I think that Dorothy will probably have some resistance with me as a clinician. I'm a lot younger than she is. I'm male. Um, there's a lot going on there that I think would lead to resistance when talking about things like this. And so talking about like, yeah, it's a struggle to pick up the pieces, you know, later on in life when you thought that your life was figured out, you knew what you were going to be doing for the next, you know, 20, 30 years of living. And all of a sudden you've got to make up a new plan. And, she, you know, I could imagine her being like, yeah, and what the hell do you know about it, right? Like, you know, you're you're a 30-year-old male therapist, like, come on, you, you don't know what my struggles are like. But then to talk to her about, like, things and say, you know, say from a very, you know, feminist point of view, absolutely, I don't know what, you know, what it's like to go through specifically what you've gone through. But I do know what it's like to pick up your life and move to a new place and have to build and put down roots and look at those things. And that's not necessarily locked by age. Like I've done that a couple times now in my life. Um, and sitting there and going, you know, answering the question of, I need to build a life for myself here. What is that life going to look like? And I've done that. I've absolutely done that. So to say that, you know, oh, I'm so much younger than her. I don't want her experience. Sure. But there are some things that are universally human, such as 
I need to build a place for myself. I need to build a life for myself here. What is that going to include? And that is the line of questioning I would go down with her. What do you want to include in this new life that you're forming? You know, do you want a closer relationship with your mother? Do you want a closer relationship with these two friends you're living with as well? You know, what, where do you want to start? Do you want to, you know, you're retired, you're not necessarily working. Like, do you want to join social clubs and do stuff like that? If that's the case, what kind of clubs do you want to go join, right? Do you want to join the bowling league or do you want to join something a little bit more athletic, like a cycling group or what have you? It's not going to be the cycling group for Dorothy. We know this already, but a book club might be something that she'd be interested in or, you know, bowling. I know that there's an episode where she does like bowling club stuff. Um, so finding ways to get her forming community around her and building a life in that way, right? Building up different uh, so quote unquote pillars of her life at this stage. And uh, that whenever I talk about that, I'm always reminded of the eight parts of self, which I have been going over with clients this week. So I have them written down right in front of me, even though they weren't part of my original notes here for Dorothy. Um, but the idea of like looking at her life from a physical standpoint, you know, your physical bodies are stuff that you need to do to take care of that. Go to the doctor, exercise, eat well, all that fun stuff. Um, Emotional self. What is what needs to be done to take care of your emotional self? My favorite part of doing this with clients is like they'll be like, "It's I, my emotional self gets taken care of when I come and see you," and I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." But also, that's one hour a week. Are you only taking care of your emotional self one hour a week? Let's talk about other ways you can, you know, help with that. Right? Then cognitive self, uh, your intellectual self. How are you feeding that? Are you learning anything new or practicing skills that are new so that you can kind of scratch that? itch of newness that the brain often requires. Um, and then you've got financial self, which is a pretty straightforward one. Are your finances in order? Do you feel comfortable with your finances? That fun stuff. Recreational self, which I think is the thing that Dorothy needs a lot of help with after uh, coming off of this divorce and sort of looking at what does recreational self look like? What does it mean to have fun even though you're hurting? What does it mean to go out and find activities that you enjoy? All that kind of fun stuff. And then we've got vocational self, uh, work and retirement, which is something she may want to talk about as well, coming off of being a working person and then no longer working and now just living in a house. What does that look like? Maybe she wants to get a part-time job and do something on the side just for funsies. Up to her, right? And then the final uh, two are social and relational and spiritual. So social relational for herself, what does that look like right now? Is she looking for anything romantic? Would she want something that's a little bit more casual? What, what does she want as far as her pursuing of relationships at this point and building of new friendships? And then finally, the spiritual piece, which we know that Dorothy is Roman Catholic. Uh, is there something about her religion or her spirituality that might need some help along with this divorce, which for people who are Roman Catholic, I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, there is a lot of baggage around divorce and what that means and how that looks in the eyes of the church. And so to go through that stuff with her as well, and you know, I can, I would be upfront with her and be like, yeah, I was raised Catholic, but I'm not practicing and I've got some issues with the church, but that doesn't mean that I can't talk you through this stuff. I'm at least going to know what you're talking about when you say I need to, I went up and I got the, you know, went up and got the Eucharist and <laughs> did the did communion. And I, I know what that all means, you know, 
Uh, I know the order of a mass. I know the sit down, stand up, fight, 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 dance that is Catholic mass. Um, and so talking her through that as well as she's exploring what this means spiritually for herself and working through those eight, you know, it's a nice guideline to have like eight pillars of your life, quote unquote, to look through. And again, it's not exhaustive, but it's a good framing device for most people to start looking at that stuff. I'm not Googling it on the side here. No, because this is, <laughs> I like that. That's helpful. Yeah. I've had clients who are like, I want to explore more about who I am. And I'm like, that is a nice framework of looking at it. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good framework, especially because it makes it very practical to work with people uh, where it's like, oh, your physical self needs some help. Well, all right, maybe go for a walk every day or, you know, try to fit in time to do some yoga. Really looking at it from like a practical standpoint is helpful as well, because oftentimes I talk to people about like, you can't control what you feel. You can only kind of control what you think, but you can control what you do. Mm -hmm. And so if you know, there's a part of you that needs a little extra love, a little extra attention, you can go through this sort of eight step process and be like, what can I do now to take care of one of those pieces of myself? That's nice. And I just like using parts language in general anyway. So this fits nicely within that, but Absolutely. that would be my work with Dorothy. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. And I feel like with her, she would have that reluctance at first on the whole therapy thing, but then like, like almost come in with the like, Oh, fine. It's what like, well, yeah. I need someone to talk to. <laughs> Um, yeah. But why Dorothy? Sure. One, B. Arthur's amazing and great mm -hmm. and wonderful. I think that that's a good place to start. And two, she had something that was the most clear, like this is what somebody would come in for therapy for, right? Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily see Blanche as coming in for therapy. I don't, no. I don't see, uh, I don't see Blanche being a very good client in any regard. <laughs> Um, and what would we be talking about with her? I think is the other thing. Like, like, what would you be talking about with Blanche? She's, uh, I mean, she's basically, you know, 2d caricatured into this very promiscuous woman, but that's like, at that point, then you're talking about things like slut shaming and all this sort of stuff. That's not good. Right. Um, so I was like, we're not going to talk about Blanche. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that, uh, that Sophia would be coming in for therapy either. She would be mm -hmm. doing things her way. Uh, mm -hmm. and not needing to talk to some sort of head shrinker, I think, if we were going to use her language. Yeah. Um, and you took Rose immediately. I took Rose. So that yeah. left me, that <laughs> left me with Dorothy. Spoilers. But uh, yeah, but I think that uh, Dorothy in the show is also one of my favorites anyway. So um, her, she's very quick-witted, very funny. And I, I think I would have a good time with her in therapy once Absolutely. we get past that sort of resistance hump. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And again, just shout out to the Arthur. She yes, shout out to the badass B. woman. Hell yeah. So. Rest in peace. Yes. Well, thank you. And with that, we will be taking a short break and we'll be back soon with more stories with shrinks. Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks where we are talking about 
the Golden Girls and we are being thankful for everyone being our friend. It's a wonderful time here. Just a nice little Thanksgiving special for you all. And I just wrapped up talking about Dorothy and Jen, I believe you have a new client as well here in Miami in the 80s. I do. I do have a new client and um, slightly spoiled in part one, but I am working with a roughly 56 year old uh, cisgender heterosexual female, mm-hmm. Miss Rose Newland, who, again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her last name. I don't think they ever say them in the show. <laughs> yeah. And she is coming in. And again, as we've kind of talked about with other episodes, I am doing a loose timeline of the Golden Girls. Um, I don't know exactly when in the series of everything, some of this might blend together loosely. So if you are a Golden Girls aficionado, don't at me. Um, (laughs) But uh, she is coming in to talk about her fears regarding her sexuality and sexual expression in the bedroom so she has believed that she has now killed two different lovers in the bedroom and she needs someone to talk to about that as sex is a very active part of her identity and her world and she is terrified so first off something I do with a lot of different clients regardless of their age is if they're coming in looking at relationship and Um, their sexuality and their sexual intimacy is we have a dialogue of what these different terms mean to them and their history of relations and intimacy throughout their life. So for instance, like what does sexual intercourse mean to you? What does sexual intimacy mean to you? Where is that emotion versus physical? Um, And what that helps me also learn is kind of like where their sex education is and where their value system is and understanding of like their culture regarding sex and helping me kind of meet them where they're at versus pushing any of my own definitions onto a client you know even sometimes clients have taught me things about different sexualities and different um, sexual levels of intimacy or how different relationships can look just because I'm not the expert on every type of all of these because everyone's their unique own person so for her kind of exploring her um, relational history and Rose she is amazing she just she'll just tell me pretty much anything like she is an open book in a lot of different ways and she has the best stories about her time in St. Olaf Um, she comes (laughs) from a Norwegian American family and that's a huge part of her cultural identity and she talks about growing up in a small town she was adopted and her uh, adopted parents were very sheltered but they're also very naive to the world. So she reports having roughly a total of 56 boyfriends before she got married. Mm. And this was something that she talked about with her group of friends and they were slut shaming her and (laughs) saying Mm -hmm. that like, if you've had 56 boyfriends, that means you must've been having a lot of sex growing up and that. uh, And she was saying that uh, one of her friends was, uh, kind of calling her a slut for this and talking Mm. about how that hurt her feelings because she had only had one sexual partner prior and that was to her late husband and it that um emotional connection she had with him was really important so yes she had a lot of boyfriends but she had only engaged in sexual intercourse 
was one of them and that's the man she married and they had sex on their wedding night for the first time so really talking Mm -hmm. about what it meant for her to wait to have sex and what it meant for her to explore intimacy in relationships in other ways and what sex meant to her in a different world and then really diving in to what her relationship with her husband meant to her. Charlie was the love of her life and they had a marriage for at least 22 years. Um, She kind of gets fuzzy on the details of that as the writing got a little fuzzy. Um, Sometimes the relationship was longer in the series, other times it wasn't. But she does describe that he had a heart attack while they were engaged in um, sexual, and as she likes to say, a state of sexual intimacy. And Mm -hmm. then um, after her husband did pass, um, she had a fear of sleeping with another man, of it happening again, so that when she met Al and he passes away from a sudden side attack of sexual intimacy, she's thinking, well, I must be cursed. You know, this must be my fault. I must be doing something wrong. And really just using like, a very basic like CPT kind of language of like, these are the thoughts that we're having. That doesn't mean those thoughts are real. And it is really scary to think that we have had this happen twice now and kind of giving her a little bit of psychoeducation on the actual physical nature of sex, especially with male anatomy and heart rate and blood flow. And that, you know, as you get older, blood flow just becomes harder to do our bodies are older and not reassigning that no one was to blame for these instances and allowing her to go through that process and taking the blame off of herself that these were just two tragic accidents that happened um and helping her re feel re-empowered and helping her feel re-empowered in her sex life so that if she chooses to continue engaging in sexual intimacy, that she can do so confidently and uh, allowing her to feel safe to do so again, because this is an active part of her, her world. She was stating that her and her husband would have sex at least twice a day, once at breakfast right, or before breakfast and once after dinner. And my God, that's a strong sex life. Yeah, that's very active. Especially right. in a in a long term committed relationship. Relationship that's especially with five children like that's yeah. not easy. Just legitimate on a scheduling. Timing. <laughs> yes. Um. You know that's that's not easy. Um. And then just to kind of touch on it briefly, um, I feel like her time as a a grief counselor would come up in this process, mm-hmm. and talking about how the toll of being a grief counselor took on her, and then having two very close intimate partners die. Uh, would definitely be a part of our conversation, but I really um, wanted to give her the opportunity to find sexual empowerment in her later years. And that would be our time together. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. I think empowerment in general, whether it's sexual, romantic, Mm -hmm. you know, financial, whatever idea. And again, feminist therapist. So this is where I come from as far as this whole thing is concerned. It's like, Anytime you can make somebody feel like they have control or they have a autonomy over the choices in their life, yep. I think is very helpful. Um, and I mean, she moved yeah. from Minnesota to Florida 
it lives in an apartment for a while and then gets kicked out of that apartment because she has a cat and then ends up meeting Blanche at a grocery store. Tyler either thinks I did amazing, watched every episode of Golden Girls ever, or I looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, that's how we do here. That's how we do here. Cause even if I've seen the whole show, I don't remember every detail. Um, yep. She's had to make a lot of independent decisions after her husband left. Yes. And giving her that empowerment to do so and feel like she's not just reliant on others. Yeah, absolutely. And so then tell me what was it about Rose? Because you claimed Rose very quickly. I love Betty White. I love Betty White. She's an amazing character. She's an amazing human, Betty. Um, And uh, Rose is an amazing character. She's really funny. Um, I love the innocence of Rose as a character Mm -hmm. and that Minnesotan um, like lifestyle of living in a small town. Um, I love that she at though is sometimes the the uh, like the joke character of they make mm-hmm. fun of her they pick on her a lot of the time she also doesn't put up with it and she gives it right back to them or she'll get angry and be like that's not okay um but then when i was actually like i chose rose because betty white um yeah but... for sure absolutely no no further explanation needed right but when i was actually diving into her i'm like well what do i want to talk about with rose specifically the fact that and i kind of forgot about this like i knew her late husband was really important to her i knew she worked as a grief counselor but when i dove into the sex therapy bit of it i was like oh this will be fun because <laughs> we don't really talk about sex therapy especially with older individuals very often Yes, absolutely. Mostly because our society says, don't talk about that. Right. With both parties, we don't talk about sex and we don't talk about sex in later life. Hey, Jen, thank you for your time, your research, your well-thought-out case conceptualization, and mostly for being my friend. You know what, Tyler? Thank you. Thank you for being my friend hey that's nice and thank you all for listening and being like friends to us even if we don't talk (laughs) and uh if you you know want leave a review on your podcast service of choice go and find us at instagram at stories with shrinks otherwise have a good time if you know go find something to be grateful for this week even if you don't celebrate american thanksgiving go ahead and find just take some time to have some gratitude about something in your life, whatever it might be. Absolutely. And again, thank you all. And till next time. Bye. Take care. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. <laughs>